Hello and welcome to this special bonus content from the Folklore Podcast. Those of you who've been listening for a while might remember that we played a folk horror game called Solemn Vale on the podcast a year or so ago. At the time, the game was conceptual and was not generally available, but the feedback to our story was really positive. Solemn Vale has now reached Kickstarter and is funding at the moment. In fact, it's already started unlocking stretch goals as it's been really popular. We were asked by the creator and game developer if we would like to produce another story in support of the Kickstarter, and we jumped at the chance, having had so much fun last time, and because we knew lots of you would like to hear more. And so, once again, we've teamed up with our friends at the fantastic Red Moon role-playing podcast, and with developer Matthew Dawkins leading the story, to revisit Solemn Vale. We hope you enjoy your stay. If you do, look up Solemn Vale on Kickstarter and get yourself a PDF and a copy of the book and play your own games. In the meantime, we hand over to the Red Moon role-playing podcast for episode one of The Atlas Mines. Welcome listeners to a special episode of Red Moon Roleplaying, hosted by myself, Matthew Dawkins. Usually you would hear the dulcet tones of Yalmar, Craig or Matthias, and instead you're hearing me doing the introduction. How about that for a treat? We are recording a session of Solemn Vale to coincide with the Kickstarter that's currently ongoing. Solemn Vale is a folk horror roleplaying game with very much a British atmosphere, uh, 1970s Britain. It's a popular decade for me. It's a similar decade I used for They Came From Beyond the Grave, but that's not what we're here to talk about. And indeed, some of the voices you're going to hear in this game will be familiar to you as well, because we have played with them before. Solemn Vale, over a year ago, we played a session. This was just after the manuscript was completed, and now the book is getting completed. took a little while, but it's on Kickstarter, and so here we are for a one-shot for your listening pleasure. Who do I need to introduce today? Well, two hosts of the Folklore Podcast, one of whom is Tracy. Hello, Tracy Norman. How are you doing? Hello, Matthew. I'm very well, thank you. Are you pleased to be coming back to Solemn Vale? I'm delighted to be coming back to Solemn Vale, because last time was so much fun. (laughs) Well, there's so much to see and do. There are lighthouses to visit, sticks of rock, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Nice people to meet. Yeah, they're all friendly. They're all friendly. They all want you to uh, feel at home there and, and never leave in the Royston Vasey style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but we won't be playing the same characters as last time. Uh, we ascertained just off of chat that the that the, uh, that the characters you played last time have become permanent residents of Solemn Vale, and so they will not be starring in this episode. Doesn't mean if we ever return to it again they won't make appearances, but... I think at this point the the town has them, uh, for better or worse. <laughs> that does sound deliciously ominous, doesn't it? Yeah. And accompanying Tracy, we have the lovely Mark Norman. Hello, Mark. Hi, Matthew. Nice to be here once again. Lovely to have you here. And, well, again, uh, this is... You were saying to me just before we started recording, this isn't your... Uh, first revisit to Solemn Vale, you've been playing a little off of recording with some friends. 
yeah, we've had a couple of sessions uh, just just for our own entertainment, having recorded the first uh, adventure. Is that the right word for Solemn Vale? It was experience. Trauma. <laughs> it, it, it can be adventurous for some of the people. It's usually the villagers who are merrily sort of high-hoeing their way, chasing you through that. <laughs> uh, we had so much fun with the first one that we just had to do a bit for our own entertainment um, whilst we twiddled our thumbs and waited for the Kickstarter to come along well I'm glad you twiddled your thumbs for as long as you did because the Kickstarter has come along and as mentioned that is what this uh, actual play is in benefit of if you are at all interested in playing or running Solemn Vale yourself listeners the material for playtest is completely free just look up Solemn Vale on Facebook or on Kickstarter. If you join the group or back it, you can get access to the manuscript start running it immediately. And uh, that's a, it's a pretty good opportunity to run a one-shot. Uh, and as we know, in this current time of lockdown, there's uh, every reason to be gaming and taking our minds off of the horrors of the real world when we can immerse ourselves in the horrors of a fictional one, also set in Britain. So... With all that said, before we get started in full. In Solemn Vale, there is a very simple system. It's governed by D6s, six-sided dice. Characters have three attributes, or abilities otherwise known as, body, mind, and soul. At character creation, you can assign points to those attributes, and those points can govern both the size of a dice pool on something called influence rolls, but also how stable and healthy you are. Because those figures, those values, let's say you start with six in body, will decrease as you take damage, as you take trauma, as you take various kinds of harm. Sometimes you may even need to expend some of these dots to get yourself out of scrapes. So, Making characters in this game is pretty simple, and there's two kinds of dice roll. There's challenge rolls, and there's influence rolls. In influence rolls, you roll a die for every single point that you have in a given stat, and you take the highest results that you've rolled, essentially. High results can mean good things. It might mean you overcome a certain difficulty, but rolling sixes tends to mean you have triggered the weird the weird is the weird, wonderful, wacky, and terrifying nature of Solemn Vale and all of the strangeness around it. But six can also mean great success. So, you know, sometimes you've got to take the supernatural with the triumph. Then you've got challenge rolls. Challenge rolls, you only roll one die, and you add the rating that you have in the given ability that you are rolling for. So let's say... We used body a minute ago. You've got a rating of six in body. Uh, so you can choose to add as many points from body as you like to your roll. Not the full thing, necessarily. You can add one, two, three, four, five, or six. But, of course, if you use all of them, you no longer have any of those points left. You have to decide to allocate those points to your die roll before you roll, because you don't know how high you're going to roll. After all, it's a gamble. And that may tip you over the edge of the difficulty rating that you're aiming for. So let's say you're trying to achieve something that is a difficulty 6, which is a moderately high difficulty. Usually you'd only roll 1d6, you'd be hoping for a 6. That's not very good odds. So you might say, well, as I'm trying to clear an obstruction bodily, I'm going to add 2 points from my body pool 
to my roll. So whatever you roll, you're going to add plus two to. Now you only need to roll four or above. Makes sense. Finally, uh, every single scene you play in Sodom Vale comes with a weird pool. The weird, W-Y-R-D, is, as I mentioned, that sort of supernatural meander that exists in and around Solemn Vale. There is always a weird pool in every single scene. And the weird pool, because we have two players, it's always equal to the number of players plus one. So we will always have a weird pool of three in every single scene. You can choose to add dice to your pool based on how much you got in the weird pool. When a character takes a point from the weird pool in the scene, they add it to their personal weird pool. This pool is used to determine the number of dice in any weird roll the character must later make. And you can use that extra point that you've just taken from the scene to essentially augment your dice roll. It's all very simple. If it sounds complicated now, I promise it won't be as we start getting into it. It's all very, very simple. Our two characters have arrived in the quiet town of Solemn Vale, somewhere in Devon, somewhere near the south coast of Devon. It's a beautiful day, barely a cloud in the sky. Spring is turning into summer. Birds are flying overhead. This truly is a fantastic time to be visiting this part of the country. A quiet retreat in this year of 1974. Both of you have made your way to the town hall under your own speed. You haven't all come from the same place. However, you do know each other. You have a bit of a history together, as friends, as sometime colleagues, but mostly just having a bit of a shared interest regarding the local area. And the reason you are here, well, it differs for each of you, but there is a point at which your interests meet. As you both pass down the streets of Solemn Vale, you see some familiar faces, some friendly faces, some faces that tell you you're really best not engaging with them. You pass by the pub, there's already people sitting outside, it's midday, time for a nice cool beer and a smoke. You pass by the church, the grounds outside looking somewhat unkempt and overgrown. And yes, you arrive at the town hall kept in a pretty remarkable quality. It's called the King Edward Hall. You're not sure which King Edward it's named after. It doesn't give you the VI afterwards, or VII, the Roman numerals. But there's a small car park. There's only one car parked in it, a small Ford. And in you go. Tell me. Which of you arrives first, and why are you here? I would arrive first, um, my name being Roger Spence. I um, have a particular interest in mining, and the surveying of mines is is uh, part of my employment as a, as a general civil surveyor, but with a specialism in mines. Um, I'm here because there are quite extensive old tin mining workings underneath Solemn Vale uh, which have not been worked for, for many years but but um, I suspect and so does my client that um, 
there are still veins that could be exploited for good business in these mines. So uh, I'm something of an advanced party, if you like, to try and uh, discover what I can about the viability of these workings. Yeah, your employer, Harold and Harold Mining Company, uh, its interests are primarily to the north. They have very dubious relations with the with their EU peers, and they are very much of the mind that we should be mining our own land before we start importing. It's uh, I'll be honest, less trendy school of thought in the 1970s to think well let's just till the British land until it runs dry when it's much cheaper to hire foreign workers in foreign lands to get the raw stuff from the ground for you but Harold and Harold is an old British company and they have old British methods and they've had an interest in the formerly known Atlas Mines on the south coast for quite a while. Gaining access to those mines has been hard. Really, it's a horrible tangled knot of who owns what and, frankly, how tenable any kind of dig there would be. But you think you may be on something. It may simply be a case of signing on the dotted line after a preliminary visit to start getting crews down here and excavating some of the old wreckage. So yeah, uh, the Atlas Mines, they could be your golden ticket. When you arrive in the town hall, your expected contact, uh, Ms. Sarah Fox, is not here. Uh, there is a, um, a man, uh, he's sweeping the floor, he's taking down some bunting from above the stage. It looks like there was probably a party here the night before, the day before. And he's a janitor or a cleaner or something of that ilk. He's uh, in his late 50s, early 60s, doesn't pay you any heed. Uh, got white and black speckled beard, dark skin, muttering to himself. Uh, excuse me? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I'm sorry to to interrupt your work. I can see you're busy. Um, but I, I was uh, looking for a miss. I take a small notebook out of my pocket that I tend to keep for for jotting down such things because I can be a little forgetful from time to time. Um, uh, a Miss Fox, Sarah, Sarah Fox. Hmm. And were you supposed to be meeting her here now? I believe so. Yes. Yes. That's that's what I have on my uh, on my page here. Yes. He rather demonstratively rolls up his sleeve to check his watch, leans it in and out so he can get a good sight of its hands. Mm, she's probably still on lunch. I'm sure she'll be back soon. Uh, do you mind if I if I wait here? No, no. It's a communal hall, isn't it? Everyone likes to make a mess here, don't they? <laughs> so I see. Hmm. Can't complain, can't complain. And he takes up his brush, starts sweeping the floor again. And that's when our second arrival comes through the door. Uh, who are you playing, Tracy? 
Uh, I'm Catherine McLeod. Uh, I am a geologist and a historian. Uh, and uh, Roger and I have known each other for some time. And he actually spoke uh, for my local history society uh, on the subject of the tin mines in our local area, which was absolutely fascinating. So when I heard he was coming down here on this exploratory mission of his, I said, oh, my dear, you must take me along with you because there's a story about those mines which I find absolutely fascinating. All about old Betty Warriner, who was an alleged witch who apparently used to live in the mine and lure people in by calling down a fog, trapping them, and then absorbing their souls to ensure her own immortality. So I thought, the chance to see a location like that for oneself is absolutely not to be missed. And you're right, this Atlas mine has been closed off for the best part of 40 years, as far as you're aware, and there have been many folklore historians, even of the occasional BBC TV crew that's wanted to swing by and make some kind of documentary special or film an episode of Doctor Who down in the mines, but they have always been blocked. So the possibility of it being open to you is quite a coup. Yes, I have all of the History Society back home literally waiting on tenterhooks to find out if I get in. And so you see Roger, just sitting about, pouring his way through some rather lacklustre parish council newsletters. I will stride in, as is my my want, uh, feeling rather bereft because I don't have my dogs around my ankles as normal. I keep thinking I've forgotten something and left it at home. Uh, so I'll, I'll see him sitting there. Roger, my dear. Lovely to see you. How are you? Oh, Catherine, there you are. I'm glad you got here all right. Oh, yes, it was a lovely journey down, actually. Oh, good, good. Oh, I, I, I am very pleased to see you. I, I was just uh, just reading through the old parish rag here. Oh. A bit, a bit slow going, I imagine, round these parts. Oh, Although I, I do notice the fish and chip van comes along today and... Uh, we're feeling oh. peckish later. That might be worth investigating. Oh, eh? why not? Yes, that sounds jolly nice. Mm-hmm. Good fish and chips. Very good fish and chips. Oh, are they? Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful. Mm. That'd be an added bonus, wouldn't it? Is mm. is Miss Fox here? Uh, no, no. I believe she's oh. running late. Uh, as I explained to the gentleman, she is probably out on lunch right now. There are usually a few people in here at any given time, but... As you can see, she is not here right now. Oh. If you are happy to wait, I'm sure she will come by. Oh, yes, I'm quite quite happy to wait. A bit of a silly time to make an appointment with us then, really, wasn't it? Never mind. Mm, she keeps her own timetable. Oh, don't we all, my dear, don't we all? He looks at his watch again. Sadly not. And he loudly claps together his dustpan and brush and puts... The broom back in the cupboard tuts as he looks at you. Now, there's nothing particularly strange about the town hall, but that doesn't mean there's not a little bit that's weird to it. For Roger, Roger, you have a connection with a little bit of the occult. It's purely at an amateur level, of course through your bridge club, if you recall. And it's... There's something, there's a tingle about this place as Pradesh Masood makes his way out 
of the town hall, leaving the two of you alone. A tingle to your skin, goosebumps on your flesh. Could you make a weird roll, please? You've only got the one die. Let's see who shows up. I have rolled a five. On a five, bustling through the door, comes Sarah Fox. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I'm late. Uh, oh, oh, I'm so pleased to see both of you. Uh, Catherine and Roger, isn't it? That's right, dear, yes. yes. Lovely to meet you. I believe I spoke to you, Roger, on the phone. Mm, yes, that's right. That's right. It's, it's nice to meet you in person. It's bloody good to see the both of you. I've got to be honest, I'm as excited as the two of you are. Uh, now, I've not spread the word around town that we're going down into the mines because, well, quite frankly, there's been a lot of interest around the area for quite some time. But this is... I don't i don't mind admitting a bit of a thrill. Anyway, I just uh, filled up my tummy, and so I'm, I'm all good to go. Uh, have the two of you eaten? Uh, I had something on the way down earlier on. I, I'm fine for the moment, I think. Yes, but... I, I stopped off and bought some sandwiches, so yes, I'm absolutely fine. Oh, jolly good, jolly good. Well, I've got some... I'm not expecting us to be climbing down any sheer cliffs, you understand. But I've got some basic climbing gear, high-vis jackets, helmets, headlamps, and uh, it's all protocol. We have to have that kind of thing if we're going down. I'm a land surveyor. I should qualify myself. Roger, you know this. Uh, Catherine, I don't believe you do. I'm a, I'm a land surveyor uh, for Devon. And while I rarely delve into the underground, I do take up spelunking as a bit of a hobby. So, either way, as far as local expertise goes, you're not going to get anyone better than me. I know that sounds a bit arrogant, but rest assured you're in safe hands. My dear, if you have good qualifications, you must use them. For us women, that's so very important. So you stick to your guns. You know, I couldn't agree more, couldn't agree more. Uh, You know... You know, and she leans in. You're lucky you caught me. There's, um... One of the men that works at the town hall. Uh, his name's, uh... His name's Evan. Uh, Evan Sparks. When he heard that the mine was opening up, he was positively buzzing with the thrill of the going down there. You're lucky. You're lucky you didn't catch him, because he probably would have led you astray and tried to, uh, make you think he was the expert. Oh, don't they all, my dear, don't they all? Hmm, well, especially these crazy old coots. Anyway, uh, all want to hop into uh, my escort, just got it out there. Oh, yes, lovely. Yes, yes, absolutely. And we'll take a trundle to the mine. So, as you're driving along, how far have you travelled? Oh, I've come from a tiny little village called Ford's Hollow in Wiltshire. Oh, okay, so what's that, about two hours' drive? Something like that, yes, roughly. If the roads hmm. are good, and uh, and, ha- and how about you, uh, Roger? Uh, no, I'm also Wiltshire based. That that's how I uh, came to know Catherine. Actually, for giving the talk at her her uh, local history group one oh. day, I gave one of my mining talks there, and um, we've uh, sort of corresponded on and off ever since. Um, I, I travelled down on the train. Uh, last night, but um... yes, and I had to stop off and see one of my maiden aunts en route. She's eighty-four, you know. Mm, oh. Yes, you had mentioned it. 
Well, uh, Wiltshire, of course, all chalk. Uh, is uh, not much in the way of mining concerns there. But uh, down here, as we get closer and closer to the coast, you're going to find everything is all uh, slate and schist. That's what the outla- at the that's what the Atlas mines were dug from, slate and schist. Not an easy uh, material to dig. No, not at all. Very tricky. Mm, it's all igneous rock around here. Uh, but, uh, well, I'm guessing the men that once worked these grounds were made of hardy stuff. It was all pre-war, you know. Uh, Pre-Second World War, I should say. And, uh, yes, they uh, spent a long time pummeling this rock to extract the tin from it. But, of course, as we know, all got shut down eventually. Mm, Why was that exactly? Uh, different stories, but uh, most commonly the prevailing theory, and I've got no reason to doubt it, is there was a collapse, and a uh, number of miners lost their lives. Enough, it seems, that the payout for it was uh, too great to keep the mine up and running. Uh, again, this is the theory. There's always someone. There's always someone that knows of someone that died in the collapse, but no one who can attest to individual identities or anything like this. And believe me, in preparation for your arrival, I did some research myself, did some uh, digging, if you like, uh, to see if I could find any of the families of people who were interred, and uh, came up with nothing, which is unusual. It wasn't that long ago, 40 years. But everyone seems to, everyone of a certain age, seems to remember the collapse. It's just no one seems to remember the uh, participants. And... That's most strange. Most strange. Mm. There, there would normally be records kept of this sort of thing in the in the mining company logs, if if nothing else. Well, the Atlas Mining Company just wound up, disappeared. Uh, it was a Plymouth concern, and uh, it just seems like the owner all but vanished within the months following and that doesn't surprise me it was around that time that a lot of the mine operators were heading out to places like South America again, I'm not an expert, I just did some reading in advance and he probably thought, well you know what Um, bugger this for a loss I'm not going to stick around here to be vilified as the villain of Devon I'll make my way out to Chile or Argentina and start uh, digging holes in the ground out there, probably for a tidy sum it's very interesting that there are no families who have actual relatives or claiming that they had actual relatives who were involved. You would have thought 40 years ago, I mean, I suppose there could be some people around my age, couldn't there? Well, it's only a... It's, 40, it's, 50, It's only 60, perhaps. one, two generations, isn't exactly, it? Yeah, Depending so on your age. Yeah. Especially with it being such a small locality as mm. well. Because I, I, I presume, Miss um, Fox, that the mine drew most of its workers from the local population. Oh, some, some, uh, indeed. Uh, there was, for a while, mining housing out by the... Uh, there it is, and as you're driving oh, along... Yes. Oh, she, fascinating. She points at some uh, stone-built row houses. Uh, there was uh, some just minor housing, by no means plush, uh, that people might live in. Usually they came down from Bristol or Wales... And uh, but uh, but there were miners pulled from the local community, of course, uh, for a youngster without any qualifications. Uh, it was perfectly natural to either start working the farms or working the mines, or I guess getting into fishing, though uh, that was certainly a, a dry interest at the time when the mine was thriving. And yes, uh, it's um, I'll be damned if I can find anything 
truly of of record that attaches any of the miners here to any of the families here. Uh, not that I, I, as I say, I'm just a land surveyor. I'm not a local historian. I've not gone around every single person in Solemn Vale and said, do you know? But I've been down the pub, I've been to the library, and I've asked questions. And it seems if anyone does have memories of that time or had direct links to anyone who sadly died during that time, then they... Uh, they're not being interviewed about it, and they weren't interviewed at the time. Hmm, that's well, uh, most intriguing. If you can't get answers from the library and you can't get them from the pub, where could you get them from? Well, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question. Uh, I, I, I'm not, uh, I've not been here long myself, uh, only about 15 years. Uh, well, I suppose it's long in some terms, but uh, yeah, either way, here we go. And she pulls up. In it's not really a car park. It's a flat piece of land. It's within spitting distance of the cliff's edge. Frankly, well, spitting if you could spit a hundred yards, and the wind is quite bracing here, even for a bright day. Yes, so the mine entrance was actually built in quite close to the cliff edge. Uh, this is where they first finding first started finding uh, skeins of tin, I'm given to understand. Yes, uh, you uh, know what the state of the cliffs is around here. I, I know a lot of the Jurassic Coast can be prone to uh, landslips and quite heavy erosion. Is, is it relatively safe? Well, that is... Well, this is what uh, they will have to send a uh, proper crew of geologists and mine experts down for. I'm hoping you'll be able to give some assessment on that. Don't worry, though. We're not going to be going down anywhere terribly dangerous that isn't well-trod or wasn't well-trod 40 years ago. Uh, nothing that should suddenly trigger an earthquake. <laughs> uh, this is just uh, going to be us doing a basic recce and finding out what's what. Fine, well, lead on, as they say. So, uh, and Catherine, I heard from Roger that you were down here due to some local legends. Yes, yes, the uh, the legend of old Betty Warner. Do you know that one by any chance? <laughs> oh, yes, of course. <laughs> Most yes, certainly. Uh, it's uh, one of many local legends, she says, as she's walking across the uh, grass top of the cliff along with you. Yes, Betty Warner, and she's speaking above the wind now. Supposedly some old witch or sorcerer, so the sayings go. Uh, some of them place her in this mine. Some of them place her in any given hole around Solemn Vale, luring people in. It gets very foggy around here, very, uh, foggy from the sea and le further inland, very misty. Uh, there's the sort of curse of Devon. But... There's there's an attachment to placing the blame for such things on witches and warlocks and the like. Oh yes, well they're terribly convenient, aren't they? Well, any excuse to explain to the missus how you fell down a pothole and broke your leg while walking back from the pub. Well, quite. Hmm, say a w witch pulled me in, you know? Catherine delves into her bag and pulls out a, a small camera and starts... Uh, shooting a roll of film of the local area. Oh, I don't know that we've got permission for this. Oh. Oh, really? Oh, that's most annoying. Ah, well. 
You can, if you want, you can try and persuade her otherwise. You can make a roll on your mind. This is a simple interaction, so go for your mind pool. You're looking for one of your dice to be, well, to roll high, ideally. Okay. I've got a five. That is my highest. She bites her lip and then hand waves and says, Oh, you know what? Eventually, people are going to be creeping out from the woodwork with cameras to have a look around here. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to. I'm not going to get upset about a lack of paperwork for filming. You should have seen the arguments we had with John Pertwee's people. Oh, the uh, the, the uh, what's that TV program called? Doctor Doctor something. Doc, Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Yes. That's right. Don't have a television, dear. So yeah. not Doctor Zhivago, unfortunately. That we may have had a different, uh, <laughs> a different thought if it had been some uh, credible television program that was being filmed here. But no, not some nonsense with uh, old men being chased around by people dressed like robots. <laughs> oh dear, is that what it's about? Uh, so I'm given to understand. Ah. Well, I say, you know, I, I brush it off. My children like it. Anyway, uh, here you go. And there's a rather lazy and ramshackle iron grate that is placed over a built-up, well, looks like a bunker, into the ground. And there's a chain looped around it with a padlock hanging there. That seems to be all there is to prevent people from gaining access to the Atlas Mine. Now... I imagine <laughs> this lock has probably seen better days. And it is iron, and having been on a cliff for the last 40 years, probably it is looking a tad rusty, but it's still heavy. She pulls out a ring of keys. Now, one of these should be for the mine. Oh, Roger, you look like a sturdy man. I suppose you could just give it a quick kick. I'm going to need to replace it with a better padlock now that I've seen it. Uh, yes, if you if you think that's the easier way, of course. Uh, uh, looking at that lock, I think even if I fi- when I find the key, I'm not going to be able to fit it in anyway. It looks rusted over. I hell. So if you can uh, just dig your heel in, there's a chap. Yes, of course, of course. I, I'm amazed that uh, nobody's been here and done this before us, to be honest. <laughs> Around our way, this wouldn't have lasted ten minutes, I'm telling you. Well, the Solemn Vale people are a peaceful people. They don't generally engage in the destruction of public property. Maybe they don't want to meet the witch. They're particularly, <laughs> particularly superstitious around here, are they? Well, these, these stories were always told as deterrents, you know. Mm-hmm. True. Mm. Uh, so you're going to be making a single challenge roll. Uh, it's it's a essentially you're using your body here, uh, but it means rolling one d six, and you can spend any number of your ability points from body to add to your roll. Uh, the difficulty on this one is ostensibly a flat four. I'll make a straight roll. It's early days. Okay, I've rolled a four. Excellent. You drive your heel through it, and you don't even think it was locked. You think it's um, it was keeping it together. Someone had pushed the padlock back in place, but it comes apart far too easily to have been locked shut. And so as you kick it, it falls off, and the chain 
falls with it with a ching 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 and onto the ground. Oh, well. Feet of steel, Mr. Spence. No, hardly. I, I think um, padlock of unlockedness, actually. Hmm. Well, someone's gone to the trouble of putting it back together to make it look locked, and I suppose that did the job. Let's hope we don't find any witches down here, then. Right, so, uh, she quickly darts back to the car, comes back with an arm full of gear, passes you both helmets, hard hats, and a couple of headlamps, uh, high-vis jackets, and... I know. I don't know whether the two of you are fond of climbing. These are crampons and a couple of hooks. I'm not expecting, as I say, for us to go down any sheer cliffs. <laughs> no, it's absolutely fine. The number of times I've had to crawl into all sorts of places to get one of the damn dogs out of a stupid rabbit hole, you wouldn't believe it. I'm quite happy crawling around in all sorts of different places. Well, one should hope that the uh, holes down here will be a little wider than rabbit holes. Well, let's hope so. Roger's quite used to it from his employment anyway. Yeah. So you affix your headlamps, your high-vis jackets, your hard hats. There's a definite howl of wind that is distinct from the bracing breeze that's sweeping the clifftop. And it sounds like it emerges from the mine. It's a different kind of air. It's a sort of stale and slightly warm. Could... Oh, well, I think we'll go for Roger again, as you have that uh, point of weird. Uh, Could you make a weird roll, please? Five. Sounds... Just for a moment distinctly like a clear voice and it sounds like it's screaming help it's a help and then it's back to I say nothing about this but I'm inwardly intrigued hmm take another weird point so are we ready ah yes I think so my dear no time like the present bravo bravo okay well in we go then Uh, she pulls the gate across Uh, it's uh, more affixed in place than on a hinge and so she kind of has to lift it and pull it and is generous for your physical aid here. Mm. It's hard. Very stiff. Right, in we go. And you start your delve into the mine. Lights on. Just turn it. Turn it uh, anti-clockwise and should switch on. There you go. And what you can see is at least at this level. The ground is very much uh, grey and brown earth. Uh, it's, it looks like hard hard earth, but not like someone's been digging into the bedrock at this point. Uh, there are still beams up at this point that have probably been here for quite some time. You're automatically on a downward incline, a shallow one, however. 
And by all appearances, as you scan around, you aren't the first people to come in here within the last decade or so, because there's graffiti. And she tuts when she sees it. Oh, heavens, I'm sorry. How crude. Children, eh? Yes, she really shouldn't read all of this. And she actually goes over to uh, one of the markings on the wall and starts wiping at it with her arm. Oh, I wouldn't do that, do you? Ruin that lovely jacket of yours. Oh, it's fine, it's fine. Just don't like to read this. Don't like it. Terribly uncouth. It's a place of cultural interest to some people, and we don't don't like insults. Uh, Sadly, some people have no appreciation for such things whatsoever. No respect for anything. No, apparently not. Sign of the times, I'm afraid. Could you make a challenge roll? I'll ask for one from, let's see, Catherine. Uh, We'll go for a mind. It's essentially a wits roll. Uh, You can, again, spend as many points as you like. Uh, The difficulty on this one is a five. Um, I will spend a mind point, so that takes me down to three. Remember, if you fail, you can take a second chance by drawing points from the weird pool. Let's see what happens. I've rolled a five. So just as she's wiping it off, you can actually see that the graffiti refers to Ms. Sarah Fox. It's a very crude uh, piece of graffiti that's been sprayed on that basically says, Fox likes cocks. <laughs> oh dear. Yes. Catherine will uh, will observe this with a raised eyebrow. Uh, give give uh, Miss Fox a sort of... Uh, once over glance and then move on but but noting it mentally Roger is blissfully unaware looking at the uh, rock in the ceiling at this point as as he is wont to do uh, yeah Roger as you are looking at the rock in the ceiling let's go for another challenge roll for you please uh, again difficulties are low we're going for fours here this is on mind uh, I will add a point of mind this time, I think. Remember, if you ever want to roll for a different ability, one that you've got more points in, you can take a single point from the scene's weird pool and basically choose to roll body or soul instead. Mind is my strongest attribute, so I'm happy with that one. Uh, well, I rolled a three, but fortunately I spent an ability point, so that makes it a four. Yeah. You can see, in even in the darkness, where Tin has been stripped from this mine. Uh, you're not even far in. If your judgement is sound, and it usually is on these matters, this is probably where the mining first began, or close to it. Tin that's close to the surface, that's just been easily hacked out, pried from the earth, and... Likely the richer deposits are further down, but this is probably what drew the first digger's attention. Um, while the others are um, are distracted with the graffiti, I just lean over to the um, where where the roof meets the wall, where the um, the kind of the remains of what's left of that piece of um, tin skein come through 
and I just lick the tin. What are you testing it for? Just the familiar taste of metallic? You can grade the quality of of, um, things such as tin by their taste. Um, If you know what you're um, looking for, or tasting for in this case. Um, So I'm just trying to get a feel as to how how good a quality this tin might be or have been. Let's go for an actual soul challenge roll here. This would be taint. And you can't spell taint without tin. <laughs> uh, I should actually give you the difficulty. It's a six. I have rolled a six. <laughs> <laughs> well, rolling a six in this game generally means something of note. Most often on a weird roll, but not always. In this case, yes, it does taste very richly of tin. Despite the fact you can't see any left, that doesn't mean there's not uh, microscopic parts of the element still retained in the in the ground, and that's what you can taste on your on your finger. But not just that, you taste something. It's very much, of course, earthy, but also pungent and as you take your finger from your lips and lower your headlamp to see what your finger looks like your finger is streaked with it looks like almost purple and red dust curious do i recognize it no no not immediately uh but all of a sudden you have a dizzy spell. Could I ask for a... Let's go for... We'll go for another mind roll. Again, challenge of six. I think I'll add a point to this one as well. Okay. That's not going to help with the one that I rolled, really, is it? Not at all, no. Now, remember, uh, if you want, you can take a um, you can take a second chance if you want to draw a point from the weird pool. I'm not sure that that's even going to help if I take all of the points from the weird pool. So <laughs> let's just, <laughs> let's just really. let it, it go. May, it may may just mitigate the disastrousness of the failure, but still. Uh, you you stagger and you fall flat on your ass. Uh, the room is spinning. Oh, I say, uh, Roger, Roger. What on earth's happened? Are you all right? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, sorry, I, I <laughs> just came over a little faint there for a moment. Uh, it's 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 fine. It's fine. Uh, uh, some, sometimes that happens, I'm sure you know. Sometimes when you go underground, it feels like the walls are closing. Are you, are you feeling like that? Is it a bit claustrophobic for no, you? No, no, I'm sure it's just stale air. It's uh, it's fine. I'm quite used to being uh, in, in a confined space. It's, it, it'll pass, it'll pass. Well, yes, I, I mean, there's not going to be any methane deposits or anything like that this high up. Uh, so we should be quite all right uh, for, for that. But we're close enough to the entrance. If you want to go out and get some air, no, 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 no. Let, let, let's press on. It's it's fine. You're absolutely certain. You look a bit peaky. No, 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 no. No, I'm fine. Let, let's carry on. So I'll, I'll hold out a hand to you and and uh, give you a haul to your feet. Mm, it's a, Roger gets up easily. Um, Catherine is surprisingly stronger than she looks. 
Ah, well, jolly good then. Well, in that case, we will we'll soldier on, I suppose. But yes, uh, as you can see, you can even they they even left some of the burned out lamps up here. She gestures at some old lanterns that were hanging from beams. Catherine gets her camera out, makes sure the flash is working, and takes a couple of shots of those. Uh, when you look through the camera and flash goes the bulb, let's ask for a... We're going through lots of dice rolls on this one, aren't we? Uh, can I ask for a soul-based challenge roll from you? Difficulty six. Do I take a weird point? What is your current soul? Six. So you could add a point or two mm. from that to your roll before you make it, if you don't think you're going to roll a six. Yeah, though it does mean that your resistance in future to soul-based effects is going to be considerably lower. I'm going to take a weird point. Okay. And uh, are you using this to add, or are you going to use this to use a different ability? Uh, I'm going to use it to add. Okay. Let's make your roll then. Oh, I rolled a five. You can add another weird point if you want so as a second chance, because right now you've failed. It does mean your weird pool is going to shoot up. Uh, oh, but you rolled a five, but you got that one weird point you took to add to that, which makes it a six. Ah, my apologies. In that case, congratulations. As the light flashes, you see through your camera, again, some more graffiti on the wall, but this particularly vivid and... As soon as the flash dies down, of course, your eyes are... You're blinking a little to get that flash out of your eyes. Some of the graffiti is remarkably vivid. Specifically, one of the spray-painted sigils down here is of a white face with yellow eyes, which, at the point that you took a photo of it, was deeply unnerving. In the old style, it was as if they were just penetrating right into yours, just looking right at you. But seeing the picture now, as it is, it is just someone who's got a tin of white spray paint and then a tin of yellow and made a reasonably real approximation of a strange face with a bulbous dome I will uh, fumble the camera very slightly as I'm putting it back in my pocket because I'm, I do have a tendency to be a little, little bit clumsy sometimes so I'll carefully make sure I don't drop it and put it back in my pocket and I'll just go over and sort of kneel down and have a little look focus the head torch onto this, this strange face but um, no it's not particularly alarming now it's, it's just some graffiti so Perhaps it was the uh, the angle from which I was looking at it while standing that made it look slightly unnerving. Yeah, now that you're close to it, you're examining it with your headlamp, it's only about the size of a human head. It's not, it's not like some massive edifice that would sit over the threshold of a tomb or temple. Uh, it's vaguely human-shaped. It's doesn't have pupils to those eyes, and so it seems strange to you that in your mind's eye you can see it with pupils. But, yeah, it is just probably the most remarkable thing is you're not sure whether 
this is spray paint. It doesn't have fuzzy edges. It's daubed on with a certain amount of quality that would imply someone took their time to draw this rather crude image. I will tentatively reach out a hand and and just sort of touch the image very lightly with the tips of two fingers um, just to sort of see if I can work out if it's oil paint or acrylic or something else that they've used. You don't find anything by just sort of touching it with the pads of your fingers but scratching it a little with your nail. Uh, It's not leaving flakes on your skin like it would if it was an acrylic paint. So it could be oil. It could be from essentially stone. It could be that someone has made up a poultice of some kind or a... um, or, or, you know, a sort of daub, and painted it with that. Uh, It's not dissimilar, in fact, given that you're familiar with such things, to the way, uh, I guess, Neanderthal man may have made Mm. a cave painting. Yes, a sort of, you know, chewing up charcoal and mixing it with spit and then actually projecting it at the wall. Exactly so, yes. Yeah, Hmm, Interesting. I will take a small notebook out of my bag and just pause to uh, to jot a couple of thoughts down uh, before slipping that and the pencil into my pocket and uh, and continuing onwards. Oh, you really shouldn't uh, pay any mind to that, dear. It's, it's just, you know, children spending their time down here when they should be doing homework. Oh, it's, it's the methodology of the, uh, the application that's interested me, actually. It's... Uh, it's... Oh? more sophisticated than I might expect from children messing around. It just piqued my curiosity. It's one of those little things. I do do like curiosities, you know. I shall see my house, it's full of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, mine too, but uh, rest assured, I suppose, if the witch is spending her time painting on the walls, she's probably no risk to any of us. This has been episode one of Solemn Vale, ran by Matthew Dawkins, developer of Solemn Vale for Dirty Vortex Publishing, and with players Mark Norman and Tracy Norman of the Folklore Podcast. Music is made by Northumbria and used with permission from Cryo Chamber. Solemn Vale is currently on Kickstarter, funding now, and we would love it if you stopped by and gave us some backing. Thank you very much.